Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Good movement and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a lit yoga podcast which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through safer and smarter movement patterns so together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings. Today is Friday with Friends, and I have a new friend, Eva Papp. Eva and I met through another mutual friend, and we have so much in common. Eva is a licensed psychotherapist who lives in the state of Washington. She has developed a program for empowerment for women. And today we talk about specifically how to empower women, how to be empowered through financial independence and through finding out who we are. Please enjoy my conversation with Eva. Welcome, Eva. So nice to have you on here. Hi, Laura. Thank you for inviting me. Of course. So You and I have been talking outside of the podcast, and we really have been syncing up on this idea of women empowerment. You're a psychotherapist, you work with women, and we talked about how important it is for women to feel financially independent. And that just like struck a chord for both of us. That's right. Tell me why you think this is so fundamentally important. Well, you know, it's it's interesting, but I've been working on a project to empower women. And one of the things that comes up over and over again is how essential it is that women have the ability to pivot. And what I mean by that is have options. So if they're in a circumstance where they're not being recognized or not treated in a way that aligns with who they are, that they, in that situation, can do something else. And the thing that constrains women most often is the fact that they are tied by lack of resources or very minimal range of where they can get resources. You know, historically, this has kept women in bad marriages, right? This has also kept women working in companies where they feel exploited, And so I do believe there's a whole range of things that are essential for women's empowerment, but I do feel that this is a critical piece. 
So I know I've, over the years, whether it's mostly people that are not close, close friends of mine, because I think we'd go into a different layer of it, but I've heard from women because of the intimacy of the relationships that do occur. You know, I have heard like, I wish I could not be in this marriage anymore, but I, I need the financial security. And it just totally breaks my heart. Not that I want people to leave a marriage, but that I want them to feel that ultimately they can stand on their own two feet. And it is this, it is like you said, historically, it ha- women have not been able to be self-sufficient and supported for many, many different reasons, whether it's voting, whether and now we now we know that women, even executives, are often getting paid a lot less than their co-parts as a male. So what would you say to a woman who comes to you in that state and is, and it just feels, you know, they're in the, she's in the middle of her life and she's never really worked enough or in, in the past decade to be financially free. Yeah. And maybe we could step this back a minute because I think this is a really important point because how many, and maybe not enough women. But many women have grown up hearing this thing from even their mothers, you know, make sure that you or their fathers even have the capacity to stand on your own two feet, to earn your own income. There is almost this knowledge that's passed on generation to generation that it really matters that you have the capability to stand on your own. Not that your life is going to be bad, but that you have something solid to fall back on. So whether it's a marriage, whether it's, you know, choices about where you want to make your money, whatever, that you have options, right? So now here we are, and it's almost 2021, and women have done that. They've become educated. They've done all these things to sort of shore up their ability to earn income. And now they're out in the world and they're facing systemic challenges, right? This thing you just mentioned about even women in the higher echelons making much less than their male counterparts. Like this is a problem, right? And it's everywhere woven into the culture, personal relationships. And it doesn't even matter where this comes from when women do not have the ability to pivot for whatever reason, right? and chart their own way because of a fear of not being able to survive, we have a problem, right? So systemically, we have a problem. Oftentimes in personal relationships, this surfaces as an issue. If I can, let's go back to this. What would I say, right? So the first thing is you have to look at, and now we're going into the whole therapeutic space, but okay, why not? You know, you have to look at like, what is the totality of the issue, right? And when they say, you know, I'd like to get out of this relationship, is this a reflexive action or idea or is there real substance to it? There's nothing that's workable here, right? So, you know, because we're all kind of inclined to do that thing that is just like just up and out of here. So when it comes to relationship, oftentimes there are deeper commitments, there are kids, there's whatever. You have to really look at that. Now, if a woman really needs to get out of that situation, right? So there's an urgency to it, then you would craft a response based on the level of that urgency. It's a domestic violence. We're working on that now. We're moving there now, right? But if it's something that's more long-term, look, this is not working for me really. I don't have the resources now. The question becomes, okay, well, what can you do? 
right? What can you do to start building so you have an exit strategy, right? Because we always have to work with the reality of what's the situation. And this can really be applied to, I had gotten an email from someone who said, what is your recommendation when you're unhappy in a job, how to leave that job? And it's, you know, you're not leaving a marriage, but you could also insert, leave a job. And and some of it is just a strong, firm belief that you can do something different, that you can, yeah, you can't leave if you don't have a backup plan and your finances are going to just plummet and you can't take care of yourself and have that security. But I think we just get kind of stuck in thinking things are just this way. And it is exhausting. I'm sure women throughout history, we are in a much better place, but women throughout history have probably just been exhausted by the lack of options and by this metaphorical rock of pushing uphill that has not been pulling for women. How do you feel that women in these situations can reach out to others or can best prepare themselves for the next stage? Well, first of all, I want to, again, go back and say, what an interesting question that someone posed to you, right? Who is working with the body. And so there's an interesting, they're looking to you for something in particular. So before I delve in, I want to throw it back on you and say, well, what would you say as someone who's seated in your position? Well, you know, I did who, I did answer her. So I'll tell you my response. Yeah. I mean, you know, people actually, to your point, a lot of people ask me things about the body, but also a lot of people ask me things about my life and ask almost like, you know, a support, like a psychological yeah not like a mom, but really they asked me many other things about lifestyle and, you know, points about how to be a better person. Because I think I, what I at least try to convey is that when you move better and you feel better and you take care of yourself and you're in your own alignment, you are going to be a better person in life. And your decision-making is going to be clearer because you've got this internal compass that is so, it's so well-maintained, you know, it's not rusty. So you're walking in a path that is clear. Your decision-making is easy. So what I said to her is, don't feel like you have to stay in a job you don't like. That is the worst thing. But you also don't have to leave right now because life, hopefully, will be a much longer path. So, But start preparing. What do you want to do? Start doing the internal work of what is it that's calling you? What do you feel like? You know, I've known people who pick something that was really safe, you know, that, oh, we're always going to need, you know, an accountant, but they really love art and they wanted to be an artist. And so if that's the case, well, what would you do to set yourself up for the most success? Knowing that, hey, I might not make as much money, but if I'm doing something that is like, you know, just nourishing my soul, that is, that is a currency that you cannot pay for. You know, that's just, so, so important. So I just, my response to her was, well, what is it that really calls you? Because is it this another field? Is it just this particular office or business, but you like the overall kind of job that you're doing? And if it's that you really want to leave the job and do something different, I see this all the time because of course, many people who become yoga teachers would love to do it full time. It's not right practical for a lot of people because of the financial, you know, it just is, it's hard to make a full-time living as a yoga teacher. It's certainly, it, you can do it, but people recognize it's a lot harder. 
but they want to. They're like, this is what I love. And I say, well, you can also blend it. Sometimes what you love and what you want to work in don't exactly have to line up, but you don't want to be miserable in a job because the point is you're in a job and you're spending time in that. And that's a, that is your time, your energy. And if you are not happy in it, you need to do something about it because you can't kind of like take off that cloak at the end of the day and just hang it up and, and be okay. It's been with you for so long. The remnants of that, the fuzz, you know, all the lint yeah, is on right. you, right? So you can't do that day after day, year after year, and not have an impact on your person, on your on your behavior, on your actions, on your energy. So that's, that's right. I just kind of, I said the same type thing. I said, well, you know, you don't have to do anything about it now, but start making a plan. And isn't it exciting that we can have that within us to make a plan? I think, again, what I try and teach so much on the mat is that we have to be more patient. Patience is not, it's not a neutral experience where you're just like flat. It's actually learning that you put something in and there's a return on that investment, but it isn't necessarily the next day. You know, people will look at where I am now and they're like, I get questions all the time. Well, how did you do what you're doing? I'm like, this is years, years and years. And it developed. I didn't have, I didn't have a plan per se, but I knew this mature. Yes. Yeah. But I knew that I loved what I did. And so I could keep coming to it. And I wasn't thinking how much am I making an hour? How much I never thought about that, you know, and I'm, I'm lucky that I, you know, I I didn't have to, but I think that helps a lot when you, when you love what you do you can put in a lot more without the expectation in return because you love it. So, you know what? I You said something that I just love and I completely resonate with. And which is that, you know, and I'm going to maybe phrase it a little bit different, but you come back to what's alignment, right? And of course, when you're doing yoga and body work, it's concrete. The alignment is concrete and it's a beautiful physical pivot point, if we're going to use that word again, to find or understand what alignment means internally, right? Because here's physical alignment. Oh God, look how everything flows. Look at how easy it becomes, right? That same principle of alignment obviously applies to one's internal state as well. Is this job in alignment with my spirit, with my soul, with my joy, with my purpose, with my sense of fulfillment, right? And so when you get to that kind of alignment, right, then there's a singing. There's something that works, right? And so when you are in that zone of your life working in that way, then there's a kind of a joy that comes from that, that what you were talking about far surpasses you know, making all kinds of money. I mean, of course we have to take care of ourselves. That is critical. And that there's a joy that comes from being in alignment with our purpose, who we are, what is the unique expression of who we are that really super matters. So I just love that response that you gave her. And of course, pivoting from the body to the, you know, sort of personhood is just beautiful, really. Yeah. Well, thank you. And I think that in doing that, like I look at my own daughter and I have without even saying or giving her some kind of manual of how I've demonstrated and modeled that, that hard work, if you're doing what you love is so fulfilling. It's so gratifying. And there's nothing that can, like you said, there's no money that can actually equal that. 
And, you know, I looked at like what you said, my mom was in that bridge generation where some people were working, but a lot of people were not working. She had the absolute intelligence to go and do many things, but she had four young children. I'm a triplet. I mentioned that. So she had four in two and a half years. My dad was an orthopedic surgeon. She really had to stay at home. There wasn't like nannies. I don't think I, you know, that was a British thing. (laughs) That certainly wasn't something, (laughs) right? You know, there was, I never, there was no nannies. So she said to me, you know, and she was in a happy marriage and she said this. So this isn't just being in a non-happy marriage. She said, always be able to rely on your own two feet or stand on your own two feet and rely on yeah. you. And it wasn't that she was again saying, oh gosh, I, I'm not able to do that and I'm stuck in this marriage. But it, even if you're happy in a marriage, as women, we need to have something that is outside of the marriage, that is outside of being a parent. I really believe that. It's hard. Obviously, if you have eight kids, I'm sorry, you're in a different category together. You're yeah. probably running a little, you know, childcare center. But I do believe we need that. I think we all need that because that's who we are at our essence. And if we stripped on everything else, not our partner, not our children, not whatever, we, we still have ourselves. So when my mom said that, be able to stand on your own two feet, she lent, met, meant that metaphorically and also literally. So when you speak to younger people today, how would you guide them into that way of being, being able to stand on your own two feet? Well, you know, it's interesting. That is a complex kind of question, but I think core to it is something that you've already spoken to and that we've been already talking about, which is to fundamental to standing on one's own two feet And not just as survival, but as joy and as self-expression, it requires first an understanding of the self. Understanding who am I? What lights me up? What turns me on? What gives me joy? What satisfies me? Right? And so, you know, interestingly, younger people are more apt, younger women are more apt to allow those questions right? Because the culture is such now that there's a sense of, oh, I'm entitled to own my space and to understand who I am. It's women of our generation and, you know, decades younger and older who more struggle with this concept of, well, who am I really, right? And so this idea of like standing on your own two feet is all about let's get it a job that's going to give me the income that's going to allow me to be independent. But lost in that conversation for many, many women, again, more on this side of the age group, has been this question of, well, who are you? And what gives you joy? Like that doesn't even get considered in the equation, right? And so it's like what I found in working with women And, you know, this whole course that I've designed is specifically starts with this, who are you? And more fundamentally, how do you know who you are? Like, what is the mechanism to discover our authentic self? Because to me, that's step one. Everything, everything proceeds from that, right? But in order to ask that question, you have to believe that you matter, right? Mm -hmm. You have to believe that you're entitled to take up space. You know, people use the word sovereign, but to me, that's sort of an archaic word, but it really is about 
can I see myself as the center of my universe? Not in a narcissistic way, in a narcissistically healthy way, right? And without that fundamental feet plant in the ground, it becomes very difficult to talk about, well, how do you become, you know, financially stable? Because you have people, then they run after the degree, they get the good job, then they get in a bad marriage. And then they give it, I mean, it can go sideways in all different ways. But one, you plant your feet, you know who you are, you know where your joy is, and then you create an income stream that is related, right? Then no matter what happens in your life, you know where to come home to, come home to yourself. Mm, Wow. But we often don't have that piece. Well, I was going to say that's very powerful. And I imagine that if we had a hundred women in a room and that was the first question you would ask, many would have a hard time answering it. Like, who am I? How do I define myself? Because so many times we immediately think of who we are by the role we play. You know, I'm a mom. Thank you. I'm a sister. I'm a daughter. As opposed to the just the me, the center of the universe without those other parts that are important. But I can imagine you must have people just sit there. If if you said, write it down, they're like pen to paper and it's not moving. (laughs) How do you, without giving too much away, because I know you have this amazing course, but how do you, like if somebody was going to say, hey, I'm listening to this podcast, let me try this. Who am I? What are some of the secondary questions that you would ask or that they could think about that would help them start to have an, an idea, a formation of an idea of who they are? Yeah. So again, to your point that the self emerges with a certain kind of attention. Mm. And it's about how do I pay attention to my body? How do I pay attention to my emotions? How do I pay attention to my mental processes? How do I navigate that space to get the data? that is constantly coming back. This is a constant. We have all the data we need to completely understand who we are. But what I talk about, and this is in the beginning of everything, is that we have become so shut down to tuning in to those channels of understanding that a lot of them have become dormant. So like they're all clogged up and you get like a little tiny piece of the data coming through or stuff has happened and it's not been worked out. So the data comes through, but it's distorted. And so on the other side of that, there's all this noise, right? So it's about coming back, cleaning out those channels, right? Understanding what it is, paying attention, and then taking action on what you hear, which is then the process by which it further refines. And so I I coined this term that I use in the beginning of the course to talk about this process, right? And I call it the power triad. And that one has to fix up and tune up their power triad and then start working with it in such a way that one can then begin to get real actionable information. Okay, so that's the first step. You get that. And then it's about how do I take action on the information I get, right? And not just any action, right? But actions that one lead to success, but also continue to build one's ease, one's pleasure, one's 
confidence, one's clarity, one's impact, one's purpose. That to me is right action. And that's what I teach in the first half of the course, those two things, right? So it's about tuning up the power triad, which are tuning into all these different channels that exist for us, and then turning that data into right action so that you're constantly building the self, right? That's the beginning. So again, it's not an overnight thing. One, See, this is a thing. This is why I developed this course, Laura, because as a psychotherapist for 20 years, treating all these people, men, women, children, whatever, it became very clear after a period of time, right? And those of us like you who've been doing their craft for many years, you see the patterns, right? It was very clear to me that there was this missing chunk that people just didn't get. We don't get a lesson on how to live a happy life, balanced and with well-being. You know, we get pieces here, we get pieces there. You know, the pieces are fragmented. The trauma is there. The suppression is there. So we get to adulthoods and what do we know? We don't know, right? And then we're asked to like move mountains and lift each other up, but we don't have the fundamental pieces. And that's why I decided to write this course to give women the fundamental pieces. These pieces apply to men as well, but men have gone through other things and have their own issues. So it's these information applied to women and women's experience, right? And I believe that this is what's needed to get that foundation in place. So now I've gone on so long, I can't remember what the original question is, but I get so moved when we talk about these things because it's really real. The suffering and the, you know, diversion into these pathways that are ultimately self-defeating, it's just ongoing. Yeah, and we have such a similar path and that I also was seeing some real missing parts, not only in the PT world, but in the yoga world. And, you know, we try, I'm trying to fill that gap there of that extra bit of knowledge. And really, again, it it is similar in that it is about self-discovery and about like not just imitating a pose or a movement, but really embodying it. What does that even mean? You know, embodying it. And it's, it's about feeling it within yourself and really having such a strong compass physically, yeah. but that also, it's not different than your moral compass. Because we, I really believe when you're in alignment, all of those things will benefit. But what I loved what you said just really struck me. I mean, there's so many beautiful things, but ease. And I think that is something that is missing in almost everyone. It seems like, yes, we know life is hard. We know life has challenges. But ultimately, the overriding feeling should be one of ease. And that's, again, when we have peeled back, when we have uncovered, when we have you know, gotten those clearer channels, clearer messages. Like you said, there's so many of the messages coming in, but the faulty wires are there. It's similar to movement. And then once that cleans up, there is an ease. There's an ease in the choices. There's an ease in the behavior. There's an ease in being responsive and not reactive in old habitual ways. And I remember when I met my husband and we started dating. And one of the first ways I described it, like, oh, he's so in love. Oh, is it so pat? And I said, you know what? It's just easy to be with him. And it was the first time I had ever said that about anyone. And all of a sudden I thought, actually, that's probably a good thing, right? Like if I'm going to be in this for the long term, there should be an ease to it. And I don't think there's too many relationship 
you know, when you look on any cover of any magazine, they're not, they're talking about passion and this and that, but I don't think any of them are saying they're easy to be with. They make your life easier. There's that ease. So anyway, I just wanted to really go off that beautiful word that you use that I think all of us are craving because there is everything, grace, you know, compassion, patience, empathy, all of that stems from a state of well-being and ease for sure. Mm -hmm. And you know, I, I really love your emphasis on ease because a lot of times we think that the way to make our way through the world is through exhaustion and struggle and constant competition. And there's a, there's a different way, right? There really is a path of ease. And it's not one to be taught. It's one to be discovered. I love the way you said, take the pose, embody it. And when, I, when you said that, I thought, yes, what is this pose What's your expression of this pose? And where's that tension between the form and personal expression? That's what we have to enter into that conversation, right? And so ease is that same conversation. How does each one of us enter a state of ease? And of course, it looks really different for everybody. Everybody, I mean, of course, that there are these qualities that carry over, right? So we all identify, oh, I'm in a state of ease. I know what that is. But how we get there is an embodied process that we can't know unless we take it on, play with it, and find our way through, right? And so here's the thing. Okay, this is beautiful, Laura. This is the thing that you're talking about, embodying in in the body and in the physical self, is that you take in the data and then you trust the body to tell you your truth relative to that data, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's why all of this stuff is a process because you can't leave you out of it. That's the whole point, right? Is to bring you into the conversation. And so then it's about, well, let me take it in. Let me hold this and see what emerges for me. And that's my way. That's my path, right? And that's the beautiful piece of embodiment that I do think the physical arts, like yoga, like the work that you're doing, just like brings it front and center for people. I think it's so critically important. You know, this whole wave of yoga that's taken over and it's now been here forever. But like, I remember when the first waves of it really hit this country and I thought, wow, you know, this is going to bring a consciousness with it, right? And I think one of those things that really entered the cultural conversation was this topic of embodiment, right? So I love what you said about it and it just resonates so much. It really does. I think we, yeah, yeah, we have so many of our, you know, we have just so much in common on, on the way we speak and teach and try and live. So we are going to come back for a second part because we're going to hear all about your shamanism experience, but For now, I would love for you to share with the listeners how they can register for your course, find out more about you, because your course is beginning in the mid-January. Yeah, January 24th, that's right. And registration is open now. And you can just go to my website. It's my name, evapap.com. And it really talks about the school. It's called the School of De Nova. 
And the signature course that I'm talking about is called the Via De Nova. It's a three-month immersion program for women that really shares the weight of personal power. And it goes from A to Z. It's like, how do I know who I am? How do I create right action so I can express that successfully? And then how do I live the highest version of myself? So yeah, it's all there. And I I'm so excited to come back and talk again because I just, and I knew it from when we first started talking that we just have great conversation. Yes, we do. I can't wait to try and take your course someday. It won't work this time because of my own teacher training, but I'm sure you're going to run it once a year, twice a year. How often will you be running it? It will will be twice a year. The Mm -hmm. first one is this January and then it'll come up again in September. Mm. And, uh, you know, maybe you and I can talk behind the scenes about, you know, a little mini thing for your people on uh, finding authenticity in a pleasurable way. We'll see. Oh, I love that idea. I'm sure they'll go nuts over that. Well, thank you, Eva. You are (laughs) such a joy to talk to, such an ease (laughs) in talking to you. Lovely. And I can't wait to talk to you again very soon. You too, Laura. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you all for listening. And as always, I'm pulling for you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.